0: To another episode of the Define University podcast and another specific episode within the Share Your Story series, I am so excited to dive into today's episode with Braylon Martin, who otherwise is known as That Special Educator. And uh, Braylon, good morning, and thank you so much for popping on today.
1: Hi, good morning. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so it's it's so cool. You're you're so cool. What you're doing is awesome.
0: Thank you so much. I. So I'm am a newer follower to to you on Instagram and immediately went and checked out um all all the videos all the goodness that you have on on YouTube and your YouTube channel and I got to be honest the first so I watched your intro video first and the scene where you were walking through dollar tree with the the cart in hand I like had flashbacks I was like that is, how does she know that was me 15 years ago? I, I just remember, um, probably weekly, but they feel like they were daily visits to the Dollar Tree And you know, what can I make for my students out of this? And what can I do? And I even got my mom involved and she'd be in the next aisle, like holding up the item and saying like, could you use this for anything? And mm-hmm. I just, so I needed to share that with you because that that alone, I was like, all right, give me all of Braylon. Give me all of who she is because I just, I felt that connection. So I want to thank you for that. And I really want to know kind of where did that, the inspiration for those videos come from?
1: Oh, wow. Yes. So first off, I love that we connect over Dollar Tree. I mean, if that's not a friendship, <laughs> then I don't know what is. Um, so I, wow. I guess I'll start with, with this. I went to art school, so I did two degrees for my bachelor's. I have a bachelor's in special ed and a bachelor's in visual arts, and when I was deciding to go to my get my master's, I thought, do I want to be an art teacher or do I want to do special ed? And obviously both make you no money and what makes you even less money is being an artist. And so I kind of put that on the back burner and I was like, I love kids and I know we'll probably get into that more, but I want to be a teacher. Um, but as I started to teach <laughs> and especially after my master's where I also got my BCBA, I was really burnt out. And I was trying to process things, and in high school, I would process them by art, which is kind of how I got into art school. So I would draw things, I would create things. And my brother is an is a videographer and a um, editor. And so I was like, I don't know if I'm that good, but I have a lot to say, and I have a lot of thoughts um, as I've started teaching and as I've started experiencing schools and behavior and classrooms. And so basically. I sat down, I asked him for help and I just, I was like, I'll use your camera. I just want to, I just want to see, I just want to express this thing because I'm not finding any of my answers on the internet. <laughs> and so that was kind of how I started uh, making videos. And I would actually go to professional developments or I would have a staff meeting and it would spark something in me to go and, and try in my classroom or I'd go to Dollar Tree and I would see a product and it would, it would spark it. in. in something in me to go create something. And then I would sit there for a couple weeks and think about what I wanted. And then I would make a video on it. Because to me, the, the whole process of learning something, trying to do it, trying to help kids, and then going all the way through to teaching it to others was like, you all know, I mean, as an educator, that's kind of how you like solidify it for yourself. And so I think that was kind of the start of me making videos, but honestly, (laughs) making those kind of things is like my diary. It's funny that people watch them because it's like, yeah, me going to Dollar Tree and looking through the stuff is like what I do normally with my friends or my family. And so you're like getting to watch it, but it, it, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost um, relaxing, therapeutic for me to to make it and, and go through that whole process, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think, you know, when you find that that thing, whatever it may be, and there might be more than one, you know, I think when it becomes a part of who we are, we're not doing it because, you know, we think we should or because we have to or because we, you know, it's one more thing to put on our to-do list. It's because there's a true purpose and it's, it's a part of who we are. If I don't do it, I don't feel like I don't feel like me. I don't feel like who I am. And I love that you're able to then overlap things you already were doing and you love doing, and that it's a strength of yours. But you're continuing to grow and learn. Because how amazing is that not only to model to other educators, but the students in your classroom. And, you know, I believe that. And I think one of the things, so I also taught kindergarten through second grade, self-contained special education for five years uh, before I really went more into a behavior specialist consultation type role. And I, I don't think I ever gave my students the, the credit that that they that they deserved in terms of I think I used their age kind of against them sometimes. And I, I really fell into, well, they're, they're five, they're six, they're, they're little, like, you know, I can't, it, I, my expectations were almost a little too low. And, you know, I think we always learn and we always grow. And, and I, I have a six year old daughter at home now. And even seeing that comparison, I'm like, oh no, I, I did not, I didn't push them hard enough. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a big enough you know curve. And I think the beauty that you mentioned is that ongoing reflection. It's not you know nothing that we do as educators can be one and done at least that's my that's my belief we, we do something we learn something and then we have to reflect and and I think video is a huge powerful tool for that and I really over the last year have loved videos I send videos to staff I send videos to parents um, because they're quick and easy. But I think they're a lot more relatable. I, again, you can see, you know, it's that visual component that I think is so essential.
1: Yeah, it's visual and it's auditory and you can go at your own pace. And I think I sat there and thought, why am I not using the principles that I'm teaching to kids for myself? Like I tell them to to go with what they're interested in. Um, I tell them to like take breaks, find creative outlets, have a brain break, and yet I'm powering through my day and not finding my own thing. Like I wasn't taking it on for myself. And and as soon as I figured that out, I kind of like clicked for me. So yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but it's been, um, it's been so, so unbelievably helpful for me, honestly. So yeah, people can just get a front row seat to my therapy and my reflections, I guess.
0: I love it. And I, you know, I, I similarly, I on uh, Instagram stories every well Monday through Friday, each morning, I do a little morning message. And it's other people have loved it. And I and they comment back and they let me know. But the, the ultimate reason I started doing it is because video used to scare me so much. And I figured for me, that was an easy, simple way to practice. And the message that I share is more times than not the message that I personally need to hear or remind myself. And, and it's that, it's that, you know, ripple effect, I'm going to share it and whoever needs to hear it is going to hear it or see it. And, and it just gets to build our momentum, which, which I absolutely love. And I think is so powerful. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned a little bit, you went between art and education and that piece. What was there something or someone that initially inspired or motivated you to even go into the field of education? Is there anything that kind of stands out to you?
1: Yeah, it's funny that you ask that. So I've been working on a manuscript for a children's book. um, And I'm in the process of that. It's a, I didn't realize how big of a process that is um, on the like publishing end, um, but it's gonna take a very long time for that to be in my hand. But the the reason I say that is because I've been reflecting a lot on why I became a teacher in the first place. Um, as I've been writing this, um, and honestly, it sounds kind of cliche, but when I was in kindergarten fun fact my parents lied um, to the school district that I went to so I was four and not five and at that point I could could kind of read I could kind of do whatever so they lied and got me into kindergarten but I walked into kindergarten and I saw all the things I cared about I saw books I saw paper I saw crayons um, I saw teachers that were happy I saw projects all the things that I wanted to do kind of also goes to that art piece, I think, um, and so that was the day I realized I, I definitely want to be a teacher, and I, and I didn't waver from that. Um, I even went to school in Boston to a teacher college, like it's only thing they do is teaching and social work, and um, when I got there, uh, I thought I wanted to be an elementary kindergarten teacher, um, and then the first semester, everybody does like a, an internship almost, like a mini student teaching. And I was in a like pretty urban area, I'll say that. And it was um, like a early childhood center and there were a lot of kids with disabilities. And I think that was kind of the, my first my first look at that. And my first time being like, oh, there's more to this than just doing kindergarten. And I think what appealed to me was, was that um, I wanted to be a teacher because I liked watching kids learn like that process of watching them acquire something and seeing that it clicks. And I was watching and seeing if I'm in a classroom of 30 kids, I guess I can see that. But if I'm with one kid or two kids and they need a lot more help and it's more creative because you have to be creative in how you're going to reach them, um, and that appealed to me, I can see the change more clearly. And so that was kind of the first spark. But then as I went on, there were you know more experiences I had in special ed and more people that I met with that are really cool and, and just had really cool stories and had made so much progress. And that really, really got to me. So over, over the time, I think it's, it's become more sentimental to me as I've been exposed to more. Um, but that was kind of the first thing, but yeah, I, I really did struggle with deciding if I wanted to do art or um, teaching, but I, I'm really glad I chose um teaching in special ed, because I think there's always a way to weave art into the mix. And it's never too late. Who knows, you know, in 10 years, I could switch and go be an art teacher if I wanted to.
0: Absolutely. And that, and that really is it. You know, we, what we're doing today is what we do today. And, you know, those are paths, you know, I always say we're on our path, but the twists and the turns, like, we don't know what's coming. And that's the beauty of it. And, and I think neither do our students. And that's something I think as, especially educators early in their field, but I think, again, for any educator is to remember that, you know, we have students, um, I mean, I was lucky to have some of mine for three years, but we, we typically have students for one year. And so often that one year can feel like that's all we have. And I have to remind myself that you know this this child, or this student is a child, and they are learning and they are growing, and they have the rest of their lives in front of them to continue that process. And we get to be a piece of it. We get to be a part. And we, but we we aren't all, you know, we aren't we aren't the only factor, which is why I so I so believe in that partnership and teamwork and collaboration. And I think one of the things that that I just I, I connected again with you is that you know I too went into school. Um, thinking Gen Ed would, would be my main pathway. And a, a lot of it is because I don't think I knew a ton. I didn't realize all the different lenses. And it was um, during one of my first advisement meetings that my advisor said, you know, I see you've signed up just for Gen Ed. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what we love to offer is our dual program, would you be interested in that? Which was, you know, general education, special education. And I said, sure, why not? You know, I, I was always like, I'll learn more, of course. And it was in like a practicum piece that I was like, I'm done. I'm sold. This is, I felt more at home than I had ever felt. Um, I too believe that being a teacher or educating was was who I was. It was a part of me, but it was one of those, I couldn't even explain it. It just felt right. And, and so I knew that was, you know, kind of where I was going. Um, with that, you know, when you look at, you know, who you are as an educator within, in your classroom, but also just in life in general, what would you say is, is your overall mission? Or what is your goal with the students you're working with? You work with the younger students too. So what is it that you, you kind of look at as, as your mission to why it is you do what you do every day?
1: Yeah, oh, that's such a good question. Oh my gosh, it's got me thinking. Um, I think uh, the, the thing that is most important to me is that kids feel heard and listened to and i think that is kind of my huge it's like my mission in my driving force is that if you know there are some really good teachers in the world and there are some really bad teachers and you kind of touched on it that sometimes you can keep them for a few years and i was lucky enough to have some of my kids for two to three years but um if i only have a a little window of time to to have you and to make an impact i'm I'm, i want to listen and i'd rather um, sit and listen to you, talk about roblox and and minecraft, and go off on all sorts of weird tangents but you're you're talking, which is great and I'd rather that um and make you feel valued than try, trying to continue with my pacing guide you know and so I think that's always been a big mission to me um and also I think uh in school when I was in public school, I had really good teachers and I had really bad teachers and I pretty quickly saw this is the kind of teacher I want to be. Like I, I want it to feel comfortable. I want it to feel relaxed. I want kids to feel safe. And um that has always kind of been a driving force for me. Um it is always in the front of my mind every day when I'm at when I'm at work. Um, but yeah, I, I want them to hear feel heard. I want them to feel like they're valued. And and that's kind of why I do what I do, I feel like.
0: I love it. Have you, have you always found yourself to be someone that, you know, kind of, you mentioned like, I'm going to do what's right over maybe what the pacing guide says or what the, you know, what this says. Have you always been that type of, um, when I say educate person, like, have you ever always been able to see kind of the deeper purpose behind things?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. My parents have always said I was an old soul and they would, my parents do like used to do a lot of marriage counseling that was like something they did on the side they're they're very smart and deep people and i would sneak myself in to the marriage counseling and listen at like 5 years old because i wanted to understand the inner workings of what they were doing so i always am sitting and observing and trying to understand what's what's best um and the motives behind what people are doing and it was pretty clear to me when i started teaching that some teachers just wanted to get through the work they were just there for whatever, or um, they, they liked kids, but they didn't really care about it or wasn't their passion. And I was like, Oh no, 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 that is not me. I'm gonna, I'm going to make sure that we're, we're learning, but we're also, yeah, being valued. And, and so I've kind of always been like that, (laughs) sitting and and thinking and choosing, yeah, choosing the the relationship of the person over the, I don't know, pacing guide or whatever.
0: Right. I love that. And that is, I, I envy that because that was so, (laughs) that was so not me. Um, and I own that and I, and I own that wholeheartedly. Um, I, you know, I often, one of my favorite phrases to use is get out of Shouldville. Um, and I personally lived in Shouldville, uh, for at least the first, I want to say probably two to three years of teaching. It probably was longer than that. Um, but I think for anyone listening that maybe struggles with that, you know, I, I know I, I definitely did. I, and it wasn't that i didn't believe in the value of, of the boy, you know voice and choice in my classroom it was i didn't know how to advocate for that and also you know handle all the overwhelm that came that came with it um, and i think my my honestly my my best advice for anyone listening that maybe is falling into that is to truly take that step back and ask yourself what is my my path? what is my purpose what is my why where do i fall on why I do what I do, because if the answer is so I can make it by June to get to the end of the guide, I don't, I wholeheartedly believe that's not what most people are thinking. But it's, we often haven't taken the time to really dive into what is important to me? Why do I show up every day? What is my story? What is it that I want, you know, 20 years from now when, when my students think of me as their kindergarten or first grade or second grade teacher, what vision, what thought do I want them to have? And I don't know that we are, I know that's starting to come about, but I know it wasn't anything that I really learned in my teacher prep school or classes. And, you know, it's something I've learned along the way. And so I say, if you're you're not there yet, that's okay. Embrace the yet. You're not there yet. But then what are you going to do? What actions as an educator are you going to take to really unpack that why? Because that to me is what makes it kind of become clear. Does, does sure. that make sense to
1: you? Yeah. And could I add something? Um, Absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of, of really good research around um, anxiety, and um, it kind of lends itself to trauma too, but students' acquisition of knowledge um, when they're in a heightened state. So when when a kid is in a heightened state where they're not feeling safe or um, I used to work with a lot of kids that they had other disabilities, but on top of that, their life situation was a little rocky. Um it's kind of like teaching, teaching to a brick wall, because if your anxiety is high, you're, you're shielding yourself, you're in a protective mode. And so I think I very quickly realized, like, I mean, yes, maybe it kind of goes against the grain to, to want to focus more with kids and making them feel safe. And, you know, I still have to do my job. I mean, I can't like ignore my responsibilities, but there is a place and there is research to back up that, when a kid feels calm, more will soak in. It just, it just will. It just will. And so um, I think that I kind of treat that as like the primer before I paint more stuff for it to stick. And um, that, that has been really, really helpful for me. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I didn't ignore all of my responsibilities, but I definitely emphasized that in, in just more brain research to help me um, kind of find my style, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And what a good analogy. So I, I have not thought of it that, that way. But, you know, I, I, looked, I looked around my office, because I recently just painted, painted my office, and you put primer on so that the paint goes on faster and easier and, and quicker. And, and, I, and I believe that to be true with students, too. If they feel safe, if they're regulated, if they're understanding and they trust in who you are as a teacher that you're going to, you know, your words match your actions and you're going to be there, then I feel like once you have that, then the knowledge acquisition does happen faster. You know, again, every student's on their own pace. So it's not, a, you know, it's not all or, all or nothing. But it really does. You're laying that foundation. And I believe in, you know, am I teaching a specific lesson or am I teaching a specific skill? And I think the lesson is the vehicle, the lesson is how we're doing it. But a lesson, the, the purpose of a lesson can be so many different things. And it makes me think of so what am I, one of my frustrations that I have is when I hear students for years and years and years, well, you know, we're still working on them being ready to learn. And I'm like, we're on, we're in eighth grade. We're, we're not ready to learn anything. like that's, that's a. We need to look in the mirror. We need to then say, why are they ready to learn? What haven't we done in the last eight years? Because I believe anybody is ready to learn. It's what, what definition are we using? Whose definition are we using of what ready to learn looks like, sounds like, feels like? And so I do a lot of, you know, work with educators on unpacking that. You know, whose definition are you living by? Is it yours, which we know is based in so many beliefs and and all the things, or are you able to see that there's discrepancy, there's going to be differences, and are we valuing those differences? Is there is there anything, you know, that that immediately kind of gets you like, oh, I just want, I want to change that. Like, what do you see as the big push to change, I guess, one of the things, because we know there's so many.
1: Oh, my gosh, there's so many. I could write a list, long list. Um. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Everything you just said is, is so clear. I, I think what I've noticed just from my experience is, um, like you were saying, teachers have an agenda um, of what they want. Or, or like me, you, you've wanted to be a teacher your whole life. And so in your head, you have a picture of what it looks like. It might be what your kindergarten classroom looked like or whatever. And so that might look like rows of desks, kids listening, you know, or it might be like a free space with, with flexible seating. But I think it's great to have dreams, but we're not aware of how we're going to get from here to there. So what people don't realize is that in order to get to your dream classroom, there's a lot of explicit teaching you need to do. There's a lot of organization, there's a lot of management, and people skip that part. And then I think, yeah, I, I think that's what, what really riles me up is that view of well kids be are not ready to learn or now it's in eighth grade and, and they're still they're still working on this and I don't know. I mean it's kind of a lost cause. Like I've been doing a lot of research on literacy and the fact that, you know, kids with severe disabilities you get to like eighth grade and we're no longer teaching literacy because we're like, it's a lost cause. They've already they've already not been able to do it. It's like, oh my gosh, no. Like we can still work on phonemes in eighth grade. You know, so I think it's just people's perceptions of where kids should be, of how a classroom should look, that I think really, really riles me up. And I mean, I think, you know, special ed teachers and behavior teachers, I think we kind of um, get that, but a lot of teachers don't. So that that really irks me.
0: Yeah. And I think it's one of the things I I always, you know, remember with that is we can have you know we can have again that that path of of typically yes you learn and it's been a little while since i've been out of the classroom so i don't know the specific steps but you know we have our letters and our sounds and short vowels to long vowels to digraphs to you know and it, it keeps it keeps moving but sometimes we do we get that we get that student that maybe picks up digraphs first and then something else next you know we get someone that gets multiplication but they struggle with addition and yet in our minds, rationally, we're like, but that's, that's not how, again, it should be. And I right. just caution, you know, or, or I really recommend take that moment to say, okay, but that's what is, you know, instead of what should be, what is, what is the skill? Let's, let's base on, based on our, I don't know, momentum, I guess, on strengths, not the areas of weakness or, or deficits, because that's, that strength is going to lead to engagement and, and more than engagement, really empowerment and empowering students to really take the control that, you know, honestly, everybody wants. You know, I think control becomes that word that's like a bat. And I'm like, no, who doesn't want control in situations? Our students are no different. So let's, let's provide that opportunity um, and really create pathways of learning that it's not this way or not. It's, it's which way is going to work best. And then as your, as the teacher, as the educator, I'm going to coach you along the way. I'm going to you know, I'll use the analogy a lot. I'm going to shine the light for you. You know, I'm going to stand super close, as close as I need to be, but I can't do it for you. You, mm-hmm. I'm going to shine the light. I'm going to show you, I'm going to model, I'm going to support, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to encourage you to take that, you know, to take that first step or whatever that might look like. And I think that's ultimately just something I I always remember and bring back because, At the end of the day, if I'm doing for someone, then they're not learning, which is ultimately probably one of the reasons we went into teaching in the first place.
1: Right. (laughs) Exactly. I I 100% agree. Oh, gosh.
0: Um, One of the things I love to talk with educators about, because I think it's something we all, I'm going to say the word need, even though I don't love that word, to talk more about is what do we do for fun? Having some fun in our days, having some fun in the classroom and outside of the classroom because while being an educator, a teacher, it's a part of who, who I am. It's a part of who you are. It's not, it's not the entirety. That's something I believe. I believe we all bring different, we bring ourselves to different roles throughout the day. Um, and it's a big part of Define You, right? You get to define who you are. You don't let the role define who you're going to be. And so I would just love to know, what do you do for fun? What do you do for fun, either in the classroom with your students or out of the classroom, just to keep that positivity and that momentum moving forward?
1: Oh yeah. So I guess in the classroom, I do a lot of projects and I, I do a lot of art stuff with them. I think that's just easy for me to do with them, and I've been loving to do more cooking, um, cooking things, and so that's been really fun. Um, but yeah, I, I would say when I introduce myself to people, I, I don't necessarily start with teaching, which is funny because it's my job, I guess. And then I have like my social media presence, but. That it really truly is just one, maybe 15% of my life, Um, and I'm not on it all the time. But um, for me, um, in high school, I was an athlete, and um, so I love running. That's something that I really enjoy. I teach a spin class every week, which I'm now getting back into because, you know, things are opening up. And um, I teach a bar class. Um, which is probably my favorite thing to do. So I usually teach one to two bar classes a week. Um, those are really fun and I,
0: I I love that and I think it's so important as educators that we do we keep that in the forefront that you know teaching educating it is it is a part but we get to we have the opportunity to love so many more things and and expand. Yes. It's all about you know I love expansion and you know, a lot of people will ask me, how do you handle the work life blend? And, you know, I use blend, not balance, because it truly is. And, you know, you had mentioned, you know, maybe it's 15%. And I I live by, you know, I'm always 100% me. And so no matter what you get 100% Lindsay, and some days that might be 80%, you know, business founder and 20% mom, some days it's 10% this 60 you know you get your your equation is going to change every day based on the roles that you're you're living and that's going to change as you grow but it's always 100% you and so I think if you are listening and you're kind of wondering well where do I start start with that start by owning you're 100% you no matter what it's not 100% of only one thing the one thing the constant is you and so when you can love and trust who you are you get to bring that for any situation
1: I like that. I like the word blend. I hadn't heard that before. I like that a lot.
0: Thank you. Again, I'm, you know, it's, it's that visual piece, I think, and, and balance. I don't, it just brings me back to like sixth grade science and, you know, the, the, the scale. And I just, you know, I heard blend, um, actually it was Amy Fast, um, that, that provided that kind of concept for me. And since it, you know, I literally do this, I think every time I say it with my hands, I will bring them together because to me, that's what it is. It's I'm interconnecting all of these different parts of my life and some are going to prioritize differently based on the day, but it's always hundred percent me that shows up. So, um, I, I, it's been really helpful to kind of get that mindset piece. Um, so as a, I have, I have loved everything that you have been sharing. And as we wrap up, I would love to know any last piece of advice you have that to anyone that is listening. Um, it can be life related, education related, just whatever. What is that kind of like last piece of advice you'd want to share with any listeners?
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess it's teacher and life related. Um, but I think something that's important is to find your own style, which I think goes along with your whole podcast. Because I think when I was a student teacher, I, my, my role was to observe and to, to learn from that teacher. And I think I took that really literally, like I, I want to become like that teacher. And I think it took me time, it took time for me to find my own style um, of how I'm going to teach. And I think that's the same with everything else. So watching people have their life blend, right? Like, my life blend is going to be different than your life blend. And so I think just finding what's most comfortable for you, finding your own style within that um, is so key. And it took me time to get there. But now that I'm there, it's comfortable. I'm not trying to pigeonhole myself into this person's teaching style or this person's lifestyle or this blend. So if that makes sense, that's like my biggest piece of advice. And it might take the whole first school year. I don't know. It might take like a few years of, of school and summer and life and whatever to figure that out. But once you do, it's so helpful.
0: Yes, I cannot, I could not agree with that more. Um, again, that is, you know, ultimately one, what this series is about, share and own your story. You get to define what that story looks like. And you might not know that today and you might not know it tomorrow. It is a process. And um, that is why, it, I, you know, it's why I live by the quote, I'm better today than yesterday. And I learned through today to grow into tomorrow. Your style will change, it will grow, it will ebb and flow. And I absolutely love that. I think it is so crucial. Raylan, thank you so much for joining me today, sharing part of your story and so many tips and wisdom, uh, pieces of information for our, for my listeners. I so appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. This was so, so fun.
0: If people are looking to connect with you further, where would you suggest they head to?
1: Wow. Okay. So um if you're a visual learner, <laughs> I would say um go to my YouTube channel which is That Special Educator. Um it's mostly teacher related things. And then um also I would say my Instagram which is also That Special Educator. Um cuz I do share a lot of teacher type of things, but in my stories it's a mix of teacher and my life. Um and so yeah, because I'm a visual learner, I think both of those platforms have really helped me meet other people, but also I get to share things that I'm learning there too, so.
0: And I love that. I love that you share, you know, life and teaching on, on stories, because again, I think that's, that's the whole point, right? That's what, that's what life is, is you know, let's this is all of me. Remember, it's 100% owning who we are. So I absolutely love that. I feel like it helps with the connection. And I feel like that's something we can easily bring into our classrooms too. sharing what it is we do with our students, what we had for dinner, what we're doing on the weekend, what, you know, all of those little things, and then asking the questions, listening to their responses it's going to help with connection it's going to help build that relationship which is ultimately going to help everybody in your classroom you know move forward in that community feel that i think we're all looking for so Absolutely love that. Thank you so much. And uh, stay tuned, listeners, for future episodes from the Share Your Story series. If you have an educator that you would love to highlight or you yourself would love to share your story, please don't hesitate to reach out. That is what I'm here for. And uh, have an amazing week ahead, everyone. And we'll talk soon.